This is Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast, episode 53. I'm Cindy McMillan, and today's guest is Soraya Hastings. Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. Each week, join Cindy McMillan as she interviews coaches, spiritual explorers, and celebrants from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. So welcome back to Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast, and I really appreciate you listening today, and you are in for a heartfelt conversation. Soraya Hastings is a survivor of human trafficking in the United States. After 20 years of entrapment in the game, running from the constant threat of a dangerous world, Christ snatched her from death's door and carried her to freedom. She has been free from prostitution and abuse for almost 10 years. Soraya has since earned her associate's degree in Bible theology, is a published author of No More Games, works in the medical field, and helps women who are trapped in human trafficking get freed from it. Welcome to the podcast, Soraya. I am really honored to have you today. Thank you. I am blessed and and honored to be uh, able to walk with you in this time. What I was hoping we could do today is kind of have some statistics and some definitions as well as your journey and make this also a little bit more educational. Cause I said to you before we started recording that, you know, I really appreciated you opening my eyes up to human trafficking. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start off with a definition of human trafficking from the department of Homeland security. Human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, a coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Every year, millions of men, women, and children are trafficked worldwide, including right here in the United States. It can happen in any community, and victims can be any age, race, gender, or nationality. Traffickers might use violence, manipulation, or false promises of well-paying jobs or romantic relationships to lure victims into trafficking situations. So what I wanted to ask you is after almost 20 years, is that how you would define human trafficking? Yes and no. Um, the, The biggest, I think the biggest part of the definition that they don't put in there is women, children, and men who are low self-esteem people, people who are struggling with um, depression or struggling with their weight or struggling with how they look, whatever they may be there, their low self-esteem is the major key factor in human trafficking. Oh, thank you for saying that, Soraya, because as I was doing a little bit of research, getting ready for this interview, I did read about that. So I want us to talk about that a little bit more as we go through. And then one last definition um, before we actually get started is the International Labor Organization estimates there are 40.3 million victims of human trafficking globally with hundreds of thousands right here in the United States. 
And the victims of this crime in the U.S. are men and women, adults and children, foreign national and U.S. citizens. So it's like there is no discrepancy. It is. It doesn't matter what race, what age, what gender, you could be a target. It doesn't even matter what class. You could be a well-paid um, attorney, a well-paid um, a doctor, and then something happens um, in the midst uh, that those hidden um, uh, agendas that, that people do that people don't see, and, and they get caught up in, in that lifestyle. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing as I started doing this research. So I hope you and I stay in touch after this. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. So the podcast, I start off with the same question because it's one of my favorite questions. And you might have a different take on it. What does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally? Uh, well, for me, exploring the seasons of my life is basically exploring what Jesus has for me. When coming out of human trafficking and um, being introduced to Jesus Christ was the last 10 years have been a new season. Uh, you know, going <laughs> every turn I take with the Lord, it's it's a new season. Um, you know, being a single mom, you know, what is a sing- what is being a mother? Because I, I walked away from my oldest son. Uh, and I kind of explain uh, the reason why I walked away from my older son in my book. And so now having an actual son, another one, and and learning how to raise a baby was a new season for me. Going to school uh, was something new to me. Um, going to uh, working a regular job, a nine to five, that was something new because and getting and, and the the pay was is completely different so getting to know how to do the pay so everything that i've done in the last 10 years is all new so these are all my seasons i just follow what the lord leads me to and i go okay here we go (laughs) you know i was just going to say that is a great way for you to talk about new seasons because in the last 10 years that all the seasons that you might have learned 20 years ago has been packed into this 10 years yes Yes. I would love for you to talk about your childhood growing up. And I had heard you talk in other podcasts about your father. And I guess my question is, was it your relationship with him that led into human trafficking? Or was it the way he spoke to you? I'm almost going to say a symptom of you getting started in human trafficking. Uh, so a lot of, not just my father, but family members in general. Um, I don't know if um, people have, if you have watched um, my interview with the 700 club, but it's my whole family. It wasn't just my father, but um, when, when you constantly are hearing your family members talk about your fat, you're overweight and they tell you, Oh, we're just letting you know this. So that if anybody comes and tells you, you won't be hurt. You, you'll be strong to handle anything. Well, it hurts worse when it's your family. The people who are supposed to protect you is people who are supposed to love you. And they talk about you. Or when they say to you, um, and this is what was said to me, was that the only way that I would ever be in a relationship is if I was in a pimp and hoe relationship. 
And so that's so when I heard that, I, I was like, okay, you know, or so how do I get into this pimp and hole relationship? Now, now I'm on the search at a, you know, a kid trying to figure out how to get the relationship that I'm seeing with my family. And then to go from that to being around, um, uh, many drugs and alcohol and parties and y- you name it. Uh, and then to, grow up and deal with my own insecurities, you know, being, you know, being depressed, going through suicidal emotions. And what does that look like? And trying to fit in with the crowd and not being accepted um, because uh, I'm known as the, the whore that's running around the city. And, and so there's a lot of things in my childhood that, that pertain to, how I was trying to look for love, you know, and, and then trying to please people to get approval from people, you know, uh, telling my family, Hey, I want to be a speaker one day and then tell me, Oh no, that's not going to support nothing. You need to find a different career at the age of six. And then my whole entire life, I'm in in a clueless lifestyle because I, I don't know what to be then. You know, I don't know who, who I'm meant to be. I don't know, you know, how to be that. And I try to please them to go on different things and do different things to the point where finally my family says, you're a disgrace. We don't even like talking about you. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about self-esteem? Because the way that your family, so it wasn't just your father, your family was talking and how that spins you on that search for love, so to speak, or to be in a relationship or to stop being a people pleaser. Can we talk about self-esteem in the way that parents talk to their children and what the damage that it can do? So I, I talk to a lot of people and I educate them about speaking to their children. So no matter, um, the only thing, and this is my, for me, you know, I don't teach my children, you know, if you're a boy, you're a boy, if you're a girl, you're a girl. And so what I teach my son is he'll come to me and say, mom, one week he'll say, mom, I want to be a pastor. I say, okay, great. Awesome. You know, another week he'll come and say, I want to be a worship leader. Awesome. That's what you want to be. Awesome. Great. Anytime my child comes and tells me what he wants to be, I encourage it. You know, I tell them, okay, whatever you want to be, I will love you no matter what, whatever you want to be. Because who am I to tell my child that he can't be what he wants to be? He, he didn't tell me at the age of five or four that he wanted to be Batman because Batman saves people. I said, great, but if that's what you want to be, awesome. But who am I? I I'm, I'm the, but people don't understand and what parents don't understand is that it is not, f- we are to teach our children the, the right and wrong way to live, not to cross the street without looking both ways, not to smoke cigarettes. You know, we're supposed to teach them right and wrong. We're not to dictate what they're supposed to become. That's not, that's not for us to do that. You know, hearing you hearing you talk, I was reminded when my daughter was young and whatever she wanted to try, whether it was ballet, whether it was tennis, whether it was piano, whatever she was interested in, 
I was, I would do whatever I can to, you know, help her take those right. classes and encourage her. Right. And that's what you're supposed to do because we're, we're, we're not supposed to be their friends. And that's where parents try to become their friends. But we're supposed to be people that encourage their children to do certain things. Okay, great. My son has come to me and said, hey, mom, I want to play baseball. I am a single mother. I can't afford that. So I say to him, listen, but maybe if you pray about it or ask God to see, maybe if there'll be a way for you can get into the game. And last year, because of COVID, nothing happened. But then my church family they opened up a little small, um, you know, playing soccer after church. And that was, and he enjoyed it. You know, I didn't have to pay for anything, but he was able to do a sports activity. And those are the type of things that I have, you have to also let them know, like you can't give them everything. You know, if they come to you one week and say they want to do ballerina, and then the next week they say they want to do karate, and the next week, you, you we got to be realistic. We don't have money, especially these times of days, we don't have money just to be spending. But we can encourage them and say, hey, okay, well, what about this? Let's try this out for a year. And if this doesn't work and you still want to pursue something else, then we'll try that. But don't shut them down. And that's what a lot of parents, that's what my parents did. They shut me down. Every turn I took, when I told my family that I, I had a boyfriend, no, you don't. You could never be with somebody. Like they always shut me down. You know, and I absolutely believe that, you know, what we tell children, especially children over and over and over, they internalize that. Right. And it, there's a, there's a there's a scripture that says the, the tongue holds life and death. What you speak over your child, you can either speak life into them or you could speak death into them. If you're constantly speaking negative over them, oh you're stupid, oh you're not able to do this, oh you're dumb. Why didn't you think about this? Why didn't you do this? When you start speaking like so negative, then they they then think that they are that person, and then you they become an adult that's a very negative person. Yeah, absolutely, Soraya. So what, at 18 years old, you entered the world of drugs, sex, and violence. That happened at 18, right? Yes, officially, officially. Officially at 18. So what happened to kind of officially indoctrinate you into that world? My family kicked me out. I was 18 and they kicked me out. Um, out of the house uh, for the umpteen time because they just didn't want me to be there. Um, and I was staying at a friend's house, sleeping on the couch, and there was like nine or ten kids in this house, and it was like a two-bedroom, and I was living in the hood. And I called my family, and I asked them if I could come back home, and my family told me no. And I said, okay. And so when they said no, um, I then my friend – at the time she told me about this party and that's what I went in. When I went there, I saw money being exchanged. I saw women holding money. And I said, and at the time I'm homeless and I need a place. And I said, I, I, I want to know how do I get that? And those words were the words I ate for years to come. And what was that? The fact of being beaten being uh, abused physically, emotionally, um, 
being uh, living in 33 different states, trying to run from one pimp. I, I've I've ran, you know, most survivors that I know, they were in in the lifestyle for two, three years, five years. Uh, but a lot of them had maybe one or two pimps. I had multiple pimps because I would leave one pimp and run to another state. And then I would think, okay, you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna start all over again. You know, I'm gonna it's a new fresh start. This is a new state. Nobody knows me. Okay, and here comes a man who says, Oh, you know, you you're pretty. Oh, I'm pretty. Oh, thank you. Because why all my life I had not heard you're pretty. And so, oh, okay, great. And here and next thing I know, I'm falling right back into the same cycle again. Is there any way? to stop that cycle? Or is it just escaping from that lifestyle? Well, that's, that's a like a double, that's a double sword question, double edged sword question. So you can stop it by bringing awareness. Okay. You can stop it. There are organizations across the United States that focus on helping women and children that are in human trafficking. But then you do have to escape it. It The woman, you have to, and I said this on another podcast, you have to convince a woman why to leave. Because you have to understand. So all those fancy words, I'm not a political person. I, I never, I, I never have been. Uh, but the coercing, it, it's basically, what it basically boils down is a man manipulates a woman to believe that either she's going to be killed if she leaves him, uh, that she's not, that nobody's going to want her if he leaves her, if she leaves him, all these things. And so they convinced these women and these children, especially these children, because I've prostituted with 14 year olds, 16 year olds. I've prostituted with women that are all the way up to 50 years old. So I've been around vast ages and you you have to convince if you for instance have a a teenager who's 16 years old and their daddy which they call them is giving them the gucci the prada the uh, armani uh dresses and and lavishing them having them drive around in really nice cars you have to convince them to leave that this is not an okay lifestyle and that's what you're up against so for me, I had I I was fed up. I was done. I was tired. I was tired and I, and then I came to find out that I was pregnant with my last son. So 9 years of straight running uh, of nonstop running, nonstop being beaten, nonstop being abused, nonstop being taken advantage of, nonstop, you know, I I talk about some of the the uh, the things that I went through and, and I tell everyone, my story is completely different from the next survivor. We all have our own stories. We all have our, 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 our traumatic experiences. You know, for me, I, you can, you can't pay me enough to get in a bathtub because of the trauma that happened to me. I, I can't, my, uh, that would send me back. And so I don't take baths, you know, because of the trauma that happened to me. And I explain that in my book, because I want people to understand that this is not no little game that this that we're playing. You're you're really playing with somebody's life. You know, these women and these children been lied to and, and so brainwashed and so manipulated that you when when they finally get fed up and leave, 
they don't have anywhere to go because the man has isolated them. You know, what most people don't realize is that, and I appreciate that you did your research, but what people don't put in that research is that human trafficking and domestic violence go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. The only difference is a woman who goes out and makes money and the other one doesn't. But if you take away a woman making money, if you take that away and you're left with the basis of what domestic violence is, being beaten, being abused, and that's what that's what goes on every day. We hear the word groomed a lot. You know, we watch we watch movies and we hear this word groomed and and yeah. what does that actually mean? I don't know what groom means because when when I came to find out that I was I came to find out that I was being trafficked um I would say about 4 years ago. It was about 4 years ago that I found out that I was actually being trafficked. That I was a part of human trafficking and I, I had got out. Uh, somebody brought the ed- educated me on that. And I was like, wow. And they used the word groom. And I was like, like a dog, like you groom a dog. And they said, no. And they explained to me the way a woman walks, the way the woman talks, the way the woman dresses. And then I had to sit there and I had to think about the times when I went through, when I was in, in that lifestyle. And I remember I would, uh, my pimp picked me up from the airport, got in the car and I was talking and the pimp said something and I responded and the man said, Hey, you better check your, you know, your girl or I'm going to beat her because she's talking to me. So he had to groom me because this pimp, I had to, I was, when I went with this one pimp, it was completely different from all the other ones. So I had to learn when I walked into a hotel room, I had to look down. I couldn't look at anyone and I had to go into the bathroom and there was like seven other women, but I couldn't look at the women either. I look at, look at the floor and I had to wait until my pimp came to the door to, you know, and called my name for me to come out of the whole uh, bathroom. So there's all these things. So when they talk about grooming, it's just basically you're, you, the man is making the woman into a puppet. Mm, okay. That's basically what grooming is. It's okay. If, she, if I, he tells her, you know, go and sit down, go and jump. You know, there was times where one of my pimps, when I first started, the pimp told me that I couldn't go to the bathroom, that I couldn't take a shower. I couldn't leave out of the room until he got back. He would be gone for 12 hours. And I would literally, I would pee on his, on his bed because I couldn't go to the bathroom because nobody could know that I was in his house. So I couldn't flush the toilet. And the only time I could take a shower was when I was getting ready to go out. But if I didn't make enough money, then I couldn't take a shower when I came back home. So I would have hmm. stench and I would have filth on my body and uh, men and just the smell on my body until I made the the money. And that's what they don't talk about. They talk about grooming, but they don't talk about quotas. Men have quotas. Men have, you know, just like, you know, you, you're get, um, uh, you go for a job and they tell you, okay, this is how many, uh, sales we need you to make. That's the same with, the pimps, they'll tell you, okay, you need to make $700 in the next five hours. Or you need to make, you know, the guy, one of the pimps told me, because I was trying to leave him, they said, okay, well, you need to pay me off. And the guy said, you need to give me 2300 
And the other guy said, well, because I have to watch you, you got to also give me $2,300. So I didn't make $4,600 in 24 hours. And if I didn't make $4,600 in 24 hours, it would start all over again at zero. And that's how they would do it. Yeah, I don't think anybody realizes that there's quotas. And what happens if you don't make that, whatever your quota is, $2,000, $5,000, is it beatings? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I was being, I was pistol whooped. I was, I had mice pulled out on me. Um, they would have me stand. Um, and, and that's why I, I, I talk about a little bit about quotas, but you, you have no way of knowing what kind of li- uh, maximum this man will go to, to prove, to tell you, listen, what I say you must do. It's more of a demand and you follow whatever is being said. So when women come out of human trafficking, it's very hard for women to, um, uh, to really, accept men, you know? And, and so when, when coming to Christ, that's a man. So to believe there's a lot of things that you have to, he, he has to show you because as a woman, we don't trust anyone. And then we're all about, you know, okay, here we go. Woman pride and let's do this. And no, 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 no. There's, as I tell most people, when you read my book, it's you hearing my voice because my voice has been silenced because most women that are human traffic, they cannot speak. And if we reach out 99% of the time, people think we are crazy when we tell them that this is going on. You know, I've, I was beaten to the point where, um, I remember one of my pimps, he was throwing things at me because I was not making the quota. I told him, no, I wasn't going, I was going to go and, and do something else. And he was so mad. He threw pans, he threw uh, skillets at me and we were in the hotel room and I'll never forget. I don't move fast. I'm, I'm, I'm heavy. I'm, I'm I'm a big girl and I'll never forget. This man came at me full force. Like he was uh, like putting my head in the window and I moved and I, he barely missed me. And then when he finally got a hold of me, he punched me to where I had, he put a hole in my mouth and I had to get, I had to get six stitches in my mouth just so that it, it was, they said it was as big as your pinky, the tip of your pinky. That's how deep my hole, the hole was, you know? So those are the type of things that, you know, you, you go through. Some women are not extreme. Others, they, they lock them up. They keep them, you know, they don't let them eat. I was that, I had that, you know, you didn't make the clothes and you don't eat. You know, I think on TV, not all shows, but you know, there are some shows that kind of glamorize it, you know, the, the high price call girl, you know, and, um, another, another shows you see what you think may be the truth, but if you've never been involved in it, it's just a, a just a movie. Right. But I think that glamorizing it is not, is not the way to go. The movie that I really, uh, there's the movie I do not like at all, which does, it very suddenly happens is Pretty Woman. You know, I've worked on Sunset Boulevard. I have officially, I have been on Sunset Boulevard. And when I was on Sunset Boulevard, women had, if you made it to Sunset Boulevard, that meant that you were top notch. 
and you had no clothes on. You Some had just underwear on and stiletto heels, and that was it. Some had bras and, and stiletto heels. But that's basically it, that you're on the street. And there were police cars there, and they weren't there to take the women. They were just making sure that the women were being killed. Or they were part of being one of the one of the dates. And so you sit, you you look at that movie, and then you see that she goes and he he takes her into the hotel and he gives her whatever she wants and all the stuff. And then you know it's her night shining. No, 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 no. That no, you don't see in there her getting beat up. You don't see her dealing with no pimp. You see about the other girl that, but she's off and on. And that's the one that they should have made the movie about because that girl was being, oh, I got to get this money to this guy. I got to get, okay, I got to make this money. I got to make this money. And she's smoking cigarettes and she's stressed out and she's drinking. That's what most women go through. No one wants to wake up and and say, "Oh, I want to be, you know, a prostitute today. Oh, I want to be a stripper today." Most women who want to be dancers, they want to actually be a dancer. But men, oh, I can help you, you know, I can I can get you into a a movie video or a music video or whatever, and I can get you there. Oh, let me just be your manager. I'm a manager this and that. And then at the end of the day, they end up being prostituted, which most people don't realize that strip clubs are 98% women who are being trafficked. They don't know that 90, most people who watch porn, women also who watch porn, nobody wants to talk about that part, but people who watch porn are watching women that are being human trafficked. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those are, those are trafficked women. They have pimps. So you're you're supporting a business of, of which is a lucrative business. People are not understanding this is a very lucrative business in the United States. You know, besides drugs, this is a very lucrative business that people don't realize. Yeah, it was when I was looking at, at some of the stats, and I wish that I had written that down, but I mean it, the 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 money involved in human trafficking it was it was just mind blowing. I made for one pimp in a matter of five years off, and this is off and on. I wasn't with him a full time. I left him and go with another pimp. But with this one pimp, I made him almost five million dollars in five years. And not only that, but I also got him a house, making this money. Wow, Soraya. So you're making this millions for the pimp, but you don't have a house. Hello, come on. <laughs> Hello. Or I would tell them, people would tell me, why don't you get a car? Why don't you get a car, Soraya? And they would talk and, and, they, and my, my pimp would go, oh, no. And I would tell them, you're my pimp. No, I'm your boyfriend. But all in all, I'm coming to find out, no, I'm supporting you, your wife, and your four kids or three kids or however many kids the, the man has. That it, it that the, the pimps don't, people won't realize that these women, most women, they don't realize that their pimp, some pimps have families. 
And every time I looked up, my pimp would always, I got to go, I got to go to this state or I got to leave or I have to go see my family or I got to go over here. And no, in all honesty, you got to go check in with your wife, but you're coming to collect your money so that you could bring it to your wife. Soraya, now I'm going to ask a question and you do not have to answer this at all. So you can just tell me, move on. But when you're making all this money, women are making all these money for these pimps. Do the women get paid? So it all depends. For me, I would, I would take enough to pay for my hotel. I had enough for my cigarettes and because I was doing drugs and it depended on how, how it was, what pimp I was involved in, they will allow me to use some money for drugs. And then after that, all of it went to the pimp. Wow. Okay. And then if I needed clothes, they would, I would have to ask them, you know, you know, daddy, can I get, it was always daddy. It always started with daddy. Daddy, can I get so can we talk a little bit about school? Because I know this, the, the, the prime age, so to speak, is that 13, 14 years old. What can adults look for at school to, one, see if a girl is being trafficked or she's a, a potential? Mm-hmm. So uh, I kind of, the way I wrote my book is to kind of bring awareness in that aspect. So uh, when people talk about mom, I want to go to a party. Well, what's this party that you're going to? Who's going to be there? Are there any adults? Are there any parents? Why is there, there are no parents? And you start asking. Kids might be upset, but parents need to be involved in their children's life. They need to know all these aspects. Then if you, so from kids that are from middle school to high school, that age group, the way you can detect if they would be a potential, meaning that they're not, they're not involved in it, but they could potentially become involved in it or a great candidate to be fall into that, into that world is if they are insecure of themselves, if they're depressed. If you see kids that are trying to, um, looking down, not being social, like not being social, some kids are, are, you know, introverts and that's fine, but there's a difference between an introvert and people who are just shut down, don't want to communicate with no one. You know, that there, there's so many ways when you can look at it and that's for boys and girls, you know, it, it they do not care who you are. As long as you're making them money, they don't care what goes on. They will say the right words to you and then, okay, here we go. Now, in college, it's a little different. I had um, a couple years ago, uh, some college kids came to me and they said, Soraya, you know, we're send we're getting these text messages. And I said, well, what's the text message? And so they showed it to me and the text message said, hey, do you have student loans that you're trying to pay off? Well, here's an opportunity of a new job. Oh. Now, now, now to anybody who is a green thumb, what behind the ears, whatever you want to call them, don't know, that sounds like a great opportunity. However, when you get called, when you get a text message like that, first questions need to come up as an adult from, for high school, for college people is who's this person? How did they get my number? 
And then you call them, not text them back. You call. And if it's a woman asking, you know, answers the phone because I did the same thing. And you, the woman answers the phone and says, oh, hi, this and this and this, you know, company or whatever. You Google them. See if they're a real company. See what they're about. You got to do your research. You know, we have... We have Google at our fingertips. It's not that hard to find out who's real and who's not. But some some kids are, oh yeah, I want I want my I want my seventeen thousand dollar bill to be paid off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me they'll immediately start texting back and forth. A lot of people do a lot of text messaging back and forth and they don't no longer talk over the phone. Mm-hmm. So since people are texting back and forth, you have no clue who you're talking to. So then you text them, oh, yeah, not a problem. Yeah, I would love to. What do I got to do? Well, that's a a hook, bait, and sinker. What do I got to do? Meet me at this place and, you know, at this, and then we'll meet up and we'll talk. And a few people got caught up. Thankfully, they were able to get out and stuff. But you are easily caught in that uh, web. It's a very sickening web that gets, you know, people just so that, People can live off of you. Soraya, that was that was great what you just went through because there are so many people with student loans that I could see how that could get get somebody excited and not being very naive and then just get called into it. Yes. Yes. What parts of the United States are like hot spots for human trafficking? Uh, well, <clears throat> every state is a hot spot, but the prime places um, would be like uh, California is a prime place. You know, um, you have all of California. You could be down in Southern California to the Central California, all the way up to uh, to Sacramento area. So it, it's all of California. You have, um, Vegas, uh, is a hot spot. Uh, you have Houston, Dallas is a hot spot. Atlanta is a hot spot. Um, you have, uh, Tennessee, uh, North Carolina, New York, Boston, New Jersey, Philadelphia, it was all hot spots. Um, but nowadays, what the kicker is, and, and like I said, I, I haven't, I have not been around it in almost 10 years. Um, but just like anything else, nothing really changes. Um, so my guess would be that not a lot of people are walking the streets. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen girls in the last, you know, seven years. I've I've caught some girls walking in the streets, um, but right now, and a couple of years ago, it was about two years ago. Um, a lot of the non uh, nonprofit organizations that I know, uh, they went and fought for uh, Backpage because Backpage was um, soliciting human trafficking, which I used Backpage when I was involved in Backpage is basically for you would see women put on there. Oh, come, ha- you know, spend time with me 
for 700 roses because on Backpage, you can't put the dollar amount because then that'll show that you're listing yourself. So they'll put 700 roses or 3,200 kisses. And what that ultimately means is $700, $3,200 is what I'm quoting for an hour or whatever. So they um, went and they filed and they, they won that case. But the another one that people don't know about uh, is Redbook. Is a site that's Redbook. And so basically these people will go and meet up at the hotel. They'll meet at houses and things like that. That's why COVID right now, it's very dangerous. You know, they, they talk about people are dying for COVID. A lot of women are dying behind COVID as well. Children are being dying behind COVID because of the fact that you have no money, no transactions, very hard for people to come out and there's very hard for women to get their money and things like that. So ultimately now you're, you're putting women at risk. So that's where this, this whole pandemic, there's so many aspects behind this that are, that's affecting people's lives, you know? So when, when you deal with different types of organizations, because before it used to be um, red book or back page used to be like the elites, you know, the lawyers, the doctors, things like uh, people like that. The Craigslist used to be the okay, you know, the everyday type of um, people that worked a nine to five. Then back pay, uh, Craigslist got really bad because a lot of women were drug addicts and was, you know, dropping the price so that they could just get it for their drugs and stuff because a lot of women once they once you get involved and you're so in depth in that you have to understand that no woman wants to see constant men and just like myself we get into this okay you know what for me to go make this money I know I need I need to wake up or I need to go to sleep or whatever drug they need to take and so then what happens is the Craigslist got dismissed. Backpage became the everyday uh, nine to five, you know, couples or, you know, dates to Redbook becoming the elites, you know, doctors, lawyers. You know, a couple of years ago, they had um, the the owner of the Patriots. I don't know people, you know, it was a headline for a quick split second. He got caught in a salon, uh, a sex parlor and. After that, you heard nothing else because he paid, he paid off and nothing happened, you know? And so it, it, there's a lot that lets you know that this goes into high ranks of people, officials and stuff that do this as well. Yeah, it's, I'm just learning so much from you, Soraya. One thing that I want to talk about is from stopthetraffic.org. It says there are many forms of exploitation into which people can be trafficked and held in slavery. These crimes are happening in every corner of the world and can include any person, regardless of age, you know, your economic background or location. And it looks different from, you know, place to place. And it was it was the sexual exploitation, but it was also the labor Mm-hmm. You know, domestic servitude, forced marriage, forced criminality, child soldiers, and then the one organ harvesting. 
So I, I, I wanted to bring that up because, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm also wanting to use this as an education um, piece. There's so many ways of how this trafficking gets started and, and is around the world. Yes. Yes. And, and, and you know, when people don't understand is that in United States, they don't see it because it hides in plain sight. And so they become naive. You know, when I'm, when I came to new England, the women that are trafficked in new England look nothing like women that are trafficked in California or in Texas or in nothing. They, They don't look the same. So you, you, when you go and deal with, you got to understand that every, everybody, every area is completely different. And so knowing that, how do you help people to recognize what's going on? And that's where you really like for myself, I had to come to the end of myself. You know, every woman, there's a pivotal point in so in a woman's life that they just say, I'm done with it. And when they say that they're done, then they go and they say, you know, I was, I was, you know, talking with one woman and she looked at me and she goes, I'm so tired. And I said to her, honey, I'm, I was in the same boat as you almost 10 years ago, sitting on the couch, looking at a woman, telling her I'm tired. Emotionally, mentally. Because mentally we have to think, okay, how to make the money, how to get this together, how do I not, you know, how do I keep myself alive? It's a game. And that's why I named the book No More Games, because this is I'm done playing the game of trying to play Russian roulette. Do I die today or am I alive today? I don't know how many guns I didn't stare down the, the, the barrel. I don't know how many knives I didn't have to had to take. I, I just, the constant, just going at it and, and saying, I'm done, you know, and, and when I, when you come to the end, when you come to the end of self and you have to ask a woman that like, if they're to the point where they want to leave, then you have to find a way to get them out. You know, for me, I was, the woman told me, Hey, I know of a program that can help you, you know, but it's a faith-based program. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, we believe in Jesus Christ. And I said, okay. I said, I told her, I said, I'll try him because what's the worst thing that can happen to me? Nothing else bad. You know, I, I, I'm already homeless with a pregnant, with a kid. I, I have no money. I have nothing. What, what worse can happen of me getting to know this man named Jesus Christ? So when that happened and then I went into the program and my life started to change. And that's what people don't understand. To help women to get out or children, there are organizations that you can reach out to. You know, uh, there's a Thistle Farms in Tennessee. There's the Underground Railroad in Connecticut. There's the um, the Underground Railroad in Connecticut works with getting women, uh, children out of hotels that are being trafficked. Uh, the uh, the uh, Route 101 goes into strip clubs and and walks with them. I know people in Pennsylvania. There's an organization in Pennsylvania that helps women that are in um, that are in strip clubs. There's all these type of things because some women don't want to get out. 
because they don't know you. So what do you do if the, if you're trying to help people get out and, and things like that? Well, there's some organization that just brings food to them and just says here, because some women don't have a home cooked meal. Some women don't have a home cooked meal. Some of them don't have their mothers around. Right. Because of the fact that their trafficker has, has kept them and isolated them to where it's only their family. You know, they're they It's only the the wifeys and the other you know prostituted women that are in that circle that they only associate with. You know, and I've been involved in that where I couldn't associate with nobody else but my only my group of women that I was with. And so, you know, when you see someone who's constantly coming and being faithful, and here's some food, and here's this, or here's some toiletry. You know, even even though or a bracelet or a gift. And they look at you and they go, you want nothing in return? No. It throws their minds off because they're like, they, they used, they're known to, okay, you must want something. You're giving me something. So that means you must want something. Yeah, I, I can, I can see that would be the mindset when you've been, you know, abused for so long that if somebody's being kind to you, you don't know how to accept that kindness. Correct. Well, Soraya, I would love to hear about your life after trafficking. Oh, it's been amazing. Um, after accepting Jesus Christ into my heart, uh, I went into this program and in New England, and I was in the program for about two years, and I um, was able to have my child uh, in the program. And when I uh, learned about Jesus Christ, I then came to realize that I need, uh, you know have the desire to go to college. And so I went to college and mind you, I was told that I would never be able to graduate from college that I would mount to nothing. Um, I had over 20 some, uh, some odd um, seizures in my brain when I was a baby. So I wasn't supposed to even live past the age of five. So for them to, you know, say that I wouldn't be able to go to college. So when I, I went to college and I did uh, my associate's and got a biblical theology in Massachusetts at North Point Bible College. And um, what happened is when I did that, I then left the program and then I started volunteering at the home that I, I graduated from, from the program. And then I went and, and worked at another, uh, volunteered at another um, organization helping women as well. And I started falling in love because at first, when you come out of this lifestyle, you don't want nothing to do with women. Cause you don't trust women. You don't trust women. You don't trust men. And so then it got to the point where I started realizing, I said, wow, okay, this is great. You know, helping other women to realize that they are worth something that they do have a voice that they, you know, that God sees them as a loved, um, you know, daughter that he's gentle, that he's kind, that he's compassionate, that he he does discipline because he's a father. He does if you step out of bounds and things like that, but he does it in a loving way. And, you know, to be able to, to teach them that and then having my son and being able to, you know, through this whole pandemic time, most people are not able to have jobs and, you know, but the Lord has allowed me to continue to work in the medical field. Um, and being a single parent and working, you're like, where's your child at? Well, by the grace of God, my son has been in school this whole entire time. He hasn't skipped a beat. Um, he's been in school. Um, they've been open five days a week. 
So my son has been able to, other than the snow days that <laughs> that we've had, um, but he's been able to go to school and I've been able to write my book um, at No More Games. And then also I am working on opening up a uh, non or opening a nonprofit organization in feeding the homeless and helping women who are homeless. Because what people don't understand is that some women who are being trafficked are homeless. I was homeless. I met, I knew many, numerous women, numerous women across the country who were living in hotel rooms and they would go from one hotel to another. And there's some, there's some states that hotels that you could just live in the hotel. Mm -hmm. You could just live in the hotel. There's some states that they only allow you to stay there for 28 days. And then some allow you to actually just live in the hotel room. And, and that is not, that's not healthy. That's not a normal lifestyle living in a hotel room, you know, so to be able to be a part of feeding them and giving them a home cooked meal and, and handing out some goodies and saying, here, if you, if you need help, I can help you. I can, I can direct you and uh, to different organizations. You know, I could, my organization that I'm, I'm starting is wanting to start up is to basically be a bridge to connect, you know, women and children and, and even uh, men to different organizations that would be able to help them uh, in getting their lives changed. Now, do you have a website yet for your nonprofit or is that still in the planning stage? That's still in the planning. So I'm hoping that everything will be, uh, will start up in um, April. So in the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping to put um, a website and everything out there. Oh, that's really exciting. So when you get your get that website up, let me know. Yes. And do you have a social media out there? Can you tell our listeners how to find you? And yes. yeah, just follow you. <laughs> well, I have um you could go on Facebook uh and type in Soraya Hastings, uh, or if I'm on Instagram. I also have a podcast on um, Spotify and on Breaker and um, Apple, uh, and it's basically called No More Games. It's my book, and I come on there, uh, and I'd say about five to ten minutes, uh, five to fifteen minutes, I do a little encouraging word for everyone, uh, just so that we can make it through this time, and just uh, encourage people. I do a little bit of, hey, this is what... Uh, reflect on one thing about my past and, you know, tell them this is, you know, how you could be encouraged on keep going. Um, You know, so those are the ways my book is on Amazon, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles and eBay, and you can get it. It's $8.99. I made that price so that anybody um, out in the world can get it because of the pandemic. Uh, So it's called No More Games. And that's games as in playing a game. So G-A-M-E-S. And you can um, just, you can check it out. Uh, let me know what you think. I always love people to send me questions and feedbacks. And, and you know, I love answering anybody's type of question. I'm a pretty much open book person. I didn't realize you had a podcast. That's awesome. I'll check yes. that out. Yes. <laughs> so last question. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her about the season of life you're in right now? Uh, the scripture that comes to my mind is that uh, what the locust has eaten, 
God will restore. That was what was meant for evil. It will turn to good. That going through what you go through, it's okay because the next woman that you are going to talk to will be saved because you'll be able to tell them, I got out, so can you. That's wonderful. This is a perfect place to end unless you have any other parting words. No. Thank Thank you you for this time. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for joining us this week on Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. Make sure to visit our website, CynthiaMacMillan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you could simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out as well. Until next time, live inspired.